Hey everyone, Blue Jay here alongside JNT250 and bringing you episode 15 now of the Clown Fiesta podcast. Uh, this week we're going to be going over NA expectations at Worlds, so we're going to be talking about TL, FlyQuest, and of course TSM as well. Uh, before we get into that though, there's been a little bit of, I don't know, you want to call this breaking news, whatever the hell you want to call pretty, it. But it's pretty breaking news, I would yeah, say. Yeah, it's pretty big. Uh... C9 and Rebird have decided to part ways, so we're going to start off with that first. Uh, give me some of your quick thoughts on, on C9 letting go or Rebird leaving, and, and let me know which one you think it is. Yeah, I was kind of surprised by the move initially when I first read it. Um, I was in League Game, and like one of my friends just said, hey, like Rebird's gone from C9, and I was like, whoa, that's that was just pretty surprised in general, because you know, they said their whole roster was going to stick around, and with them announcing that, that kind of just put my mind to rest that the whole team was going to be staying together for next season and that there was going to be no changes happening, you know, but obviously Reaper's so, now gone. So it's, uh, my expectations are, I'm, I'm, I guess kind of, uh, in, like, I guess excited to see who they're going to sign as coach. Me too, because, well, well, for a lot of reasons, but I, what's actually really interesting though, is that on hotline league last week, Travis legit came out and said, and I want to, I'm paraphrasing here, but, he basically said, he's like, do you guys think that C9 coming out with the announcement of the roster means that the coaches are staying too? And he literally said, he, he's like, I think that this is a way to make it look like everyone is coming back, but not everyone is coming back in what he said. Now, I don't know if he's got inside information, possible, uh, but I feel like they wouldn't have leaked that uh, before letting people know on Twitter or something like that. But anyways, uh, really, really surprising. And not only okay this isn't like for, for people that don't understand this isn't just like a coach leaving a team this could be maybe the greatest coach in na history would is there someone else would you agree with that i mean he's definitely the biggest name in terms of coaching that north america's ever had i know the other one that could come to mind is parth mm -hmm. but he's sort of more in like a general manager role now at tsm you know what's the, th the funny thing with Parth is that no one ever really seems to know what the hell he does. Like, everyone knows that he's involved, but no one knows where he's involved. That's the biggest thing with Parth is that, like, he, like you said, he's a GM, and then he's a coach, and then he's, like, something in between, and you don't really know. So, yeah, Parth would be up there, but other than that, like, to me, it's pretty clear that Reaper has always been the coach, and therefore is probably the best coach NA has had all time, I would say. Would you, would you agree? Yeah, and... Uh... He's he's all he's been the best coach in North America of all time, but he's also been you know highly, I think you know touted and responsible for his ability to develop talent within the NA scene. You know we've seen a ton of C9 players or a ton of players in the league um, grow up on C9 or come from C9 who are now on separate teams. You know you can think of EG. They have you know th three former players that were on Cloud9 and Kumo, uh, Sven Skarin and Zazel. Um, you know, way if you want to go way back in the day, like Wild Turtle was on Cloud9 at one point. I know Reaper doesn't have much to do with that, but my point being is that like so many of the players in the LCS have at one point or another been a part of the C9 organization. You know, FlyQuest Solo was on their academy team uh, at one point. Um, I'm just, you know, sneaky sure he's a free agent, but, you know, he's expected to potentially get signed by a team uh, this offseason. You know, there, there's a lot of players that have been in contact with Reaper, and he's always proven to be, you know, such a great coach and a great leader for the C9 organization. So not having him, you know, going forward into the future, it definitely makes me wonder, one, how they're going to perform without him, 
And two, you know, will they be able to still keep that same track record of developing talent, or was that, you know, largely response was largely Reaper's responsibility? Yeah, that's that's a really good question as well. Now, I don't think that all of the uh, new talent can. I don't think all of that credit can go to one person. I think in an organization that big, there has to be more than one person. But I, it definitely is a good point to make. I know he uh, was a huge Blabber fan. Like I think. Uh, if there's anybody that's pushing in that organization for Blabber to take Sven Skaren's spot, I think it was absolutely Reaper. And ultimately, he's the coach, so he is going to have the final say there. Um, but you know, for, for years now, he's been talking about how good he thinks Blabber is. I think even before he was on C9, I remember watching one of his vlogs uh, talking about how he thought Blabber was an up-and-coming jungler or something along those lines. Um, but I don't remember that. But what I do know in one of his most recent vlogs... Uh, not most recent, just from about a year ago, um, I remember him saying, and again, paraphrasing here, something along the lines of, Jack convinced me to come back for one more year. This was after last year's Worlds. So probably in the time between, probably sometime in like November or something like that. And I remember saying this. Now, I know you said you don't remember, or you're not sure if you remember, but I called this. I, I knew that it was going to be his last year, but where I can't take credit is I did not think it would go this way. Like, I thought that this was going to be his last year in NA because I thought he wants to go back to Korea and, well, I, I just think he wants to be in Korea and I think he that's where he thinks his best chances of winning Worlds, either Korea or China. And I, I think one of the biggest reasons he left is, or could be, because he was actually let go now. So that's where I'm kind of torn. Like, I, I sure, yeah, I, I said this was going to be his last year, but I actually thought that that was because he wasn't going to want to stay. And now I don't know if it's him wanting to leave or C9 getting rid of him. A and maybe it's both. Possibly it could be, like, I don't know, there's no such thing as a mutual breakup, blah, blah, blah. But maybe there is in this case. Maybe Reaper was done, and maybe when you have a team that is this good and absolutely tank, maybe it's time to move on and to replace the coach, which is certainly something you would see in traditional sports, right? Yeah, I mean, we definitely don't have all the information in terms of their reasonings uh, for parting ways with each other. Yeah, we don't exactly know if, you know, Reaper wanted to leave or C9 uh, wanted to move on from Reaper or if they mutually agreed. But, you know, from my, I guess, outside view on it is uh, I, I kind of I'm of the opinion that a lot of C9's problems uh, towards the back half of the split. Yes, part of it was bad play, but I think, you know, a, a good chunk percentage of it was their inaccurate um, meta-analysis and their various prioritization on champions. And I think I know that's been a problem for Reaper in the past. Not necessarily a problem, but one of his biggest criticisms. Um, I think back to Season 7 Worlds, uh, when there was that whole failure uh, in Week 2 week two NA at Worlds, which I know is a big meme, but, you know, them failing to pick up the Caitlyn, and then his drafts in both Game 4 and 5 of their series against WE, uh, in their quarterfinal series against WE, where they lost 3-2. Um, I think of Season 9 Summer Finals, when they were playing against TL, and he had really horrible Game 1 and Game 5 drafts um, against Team Liquid in the Finals, and those were two of the games that C9 got pretty much smashed. Um, and then I think back to just this past season, where you know, we saw C9 experimenting a lot in draft, doing a lot in draft that was out of the norm of what everyone else yeah. was playing. They had no Caitlyn priority. They had no Shen priority. Um, you know, we don't know exactly what's going on in the mind of Cloud9, if they just want to fight all the time or if, you know, Reaper is still, in st is still you know, pushing that thought that Cloud9 should be fighting all the time. So obviously we don't have all the information and we don't know these reasons, but 
I'm sort of looking at it from a perspective that if C9 were to have let go, were to have let go of Reaper, like those would be the reasons. Well, and so I, I like those points because if C9 is looking for change, then I don't think it's going to be a West Rice promotion, right? You're going to have to bring someone else in from somewhere else. Who mm -hmm. knows who that someone else would be? But I can't think of who that is. Now, obviously, Worlds isn't over yet, right? So there's lots of time to find a new coach. But right now, I think the, the favorite would be West Rice getting that promotion. But again, if you're looking for change, I don't think West Rice is the answer. Yeah, I mean, sir, just for the people who don't know, Westrace uh, formerly was the academy coach of Cloud9. And then just at the start of Season 10, they brought him up uh, to work with the main team. And they had uh, Rainover, former uh, jungler, for the LC played in various LCS teams. They had Rainover take over the academy team. So, yeah, you know, we're not actually sure. Um, there's not a ton of coaching options uh, out there uh, for Cloud9. Um, at least in terms of NA, at yes, least all, all right? the coach. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know yeah. in terms of all the coaches that are going to be let go that we think are going to be let go. Like the, you know, Weldon got let go already. There's a moral oh, coaching staff got cleared out. That's not going to happen. If that happens, I'm going to like, no no no. <laughs> no, 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 Get out of there. Don't ever do that. But uh, the, what this does make me think of that I think is kind of funny is there was like a clip of uh, LS on front page Reddit the other day saying that he's gotten offers from four NA teams two EU teams and two Korean teams. And I just wonder if, you know, one of those offers that he got in NA was from C9. Cause I think if, you know, if I was LS, you know, C9 might be one of the better orgs to go to. If well, you know, and he wanted the money in the cloud. To afford LS, exactly. Right? Cause he's probably, you know, at least in terms of league community, he's a pretty like hot commodity right now. Well, and, and I, I would have to guess another team that would go after him, which I don't think they would have success, but it would be CLG because isn't he currently with CLG? I'm pretty he's sure like as a, a streamer, yeah, he's, he's, just a, he's just a content CLG's, creator. Right, right. But I, I mean, obviously, there's some. I don't think LS wants there. to go to CLG though. No, never in a million years. That's. But I'm just, I'm just hypoth I'm talking about hypothetically where the offers would have yeah. come from. My guess would be C9 and CLG. But um, yeah. A anyways, uh, definitely some really big news. I can't wait. I really actually do hope that it's someone from outside of North America. Um, not that I like hate NA coaches or anything like that, but I do want to see a new play style brought in to NA. And the thing is, Cloud9 is the team that has the differing play style from other North American teams. I think it would be pretty disappointing to see another NA coach come in and change them back. Now, I don't think that that would necessarily just happen like that, but it would be a little disappointing to see a different North American coach come in and maybe change their style to be a little bit more slower paced. Um, because I think that's what's so exciting about this team. Yeah, it they they you know, we'll have to see what kind of a coach gets brought in and how that will affect that playstyle because Reaper was sort of the one who kind of invented this whole at least in terms of North America, this whole fight early meta kind of like originated back at you know, season eight worlds where they had that crazy week two with the in the group of death with RNG and Gen G. They basically, you know, took it to them and fought constantly for twenty fought constantly twenty four seven and that sort of become their style over the last two years now. And, you know, we'll, we'll kind of have to see, you know, what coach gets brought in and then how that, you know, will affect the team's future and play style. Yeah, for sure. And, and that's probably one of the biggest reasons why he was a huge Blabber fan and definitely pushing for Blabber to be, well, to be their starting jungler. But I also remember him saying he thought Blabber was the best early game jungler in the world, which, of course, there's bias there when you're coaching that player. But that is a bold fucking statement. Uh, regardless. I think we have some other things that we need to dive into a little bit because Worlds is approaching. Are you cool if we move on to the Worlds? Yeah. The Worlds to Worlds topic?
Mm-hmm. Okay, so this year we got a little bit of a different format, but before I'll, I'll let you get into the format in just a sec, but um, we do have a long list of teams um, that are going to be at this year's competition. Obviously, um, if you have not heard that uh, Vietnam will not be participating in this year's world, so there is actually 22 teams instead of the usual 24. Uh, I'll let you take it away, JNT, and let, let the, the listeners know what teams we got dealing with from each region. Yeah, so we had our, our last, last week was our last week of regional league play. And so just to kind of recap all the regions and which teams are going to Worlds, just if you're not in the loop, I guess. Uh, for NA, uh, three teams going to Worlds, first seeded being TSM, second seeded being Fly, third seeded being TL, and TL therefore has to go to the play-in stage. Uh, from Europe, there's four teams going and they get an extra spot due to their performance at international tournaments over the previous two years. So they have G2 uh, first seed, Fnatic second seed, Rogue third seed, and Mad Lions uh, fourth team. And they're also a playing team, Mad Lions are. Uh, in China, we have Top Esports first seed, JDG second seed, Suning third seed, and LGD fourth seed, LGD being a playing team. And for Korea, we have first seed Damwon, second seed DRX, third seed Gen.G, and all three of those teams are main stage. No Korean team will be in the playing stage. And then next we have the PCS, which is Southeast Asia, which is formerly the LMS League. The LMS kind of got absorbed into the PCS. Uh, first is Machi Esports, and second is PSG Talon. PSG Talon's a playing team, and Machi Esports is an auto. You know, they get auto-seeded into the main stage. Um, and then for the rest of the, oh, what's what's the correct term? It's not wildcard teams. What is it? Emerging right. regions. The emerging oh, regions. Okay. That's the fancy word for it. Uh, from CBLOL, which it. is Brazil, we got INTZ. They've been at Worlds many, many times. They're a playing team. From the LCL, which is the CIS, we got Unicorns of Love. Unicorns of Love make another comeback at Worlds. The LJL, which is Japan, we have V3 Esports. You know, that was, I remember, I actually watched this series between uh, V3 and Detonation Focus Me. Detonation Focus Me has been at like the previous two worlds and in yeah, the playing stage, and yeah. it was actually a pretty hype best of five. So, you want uh, if you want to just go see some random league and you want to see a good best of five, go watch V3 versus uh, Detonation Focus Me. Uh, and then from the LLA, which is the Latin America, we have Rainbow Seven, uh, OPL, which is Oceania, we have Legacy Esports, and lastly uh, for the TCL, which is Turkey, we have Supermassive. So yeah. not you know. At least in terms of the major regions, we have a lot of new Worlds teams that haven't really been at Worlds the last couple of years. But for the play-in teams and for the emerging regions, a lot of teams that we have seen before, you know, a lot of these uh, emerging region teams have been at the top of their leagues for quite a long time. Uh, a couple newcomers in V3 Esports, as I mentioned, they beat out Detonation Focus Me. But uh, I, I think we have a lot of good teams going to Worlds. I'm very excited for this Worlds. However, the new format, as Jamie mentioned previously, that there will be no Vietnam teams attending Worlds due to, I guess, some of their issues uh, with COVID-19 and you know, looking out for the safety of the other Worlds players. So they're having a new format this year uh, for the play-in stage. So the main stage is going to continue as normal. There's 12 teams in already seated into the main stage, and the top four teams from the play-in stage will fill those four remaining spots. But instead of three separate groups, or sorry, four separate groups of three teams in the play-in stage, this year there's going to be two groups of five teams due to there being two less teams. So in the play-in stage now there's 10 teams instead of it normally being 12. So they're going to be seeded into two different groups of five teams, and they're going to play a round robin between each other to which the 
first place teams out of the two groups get auto-seeded into the main stage. And then teams who finish third and fourth will face the opposing group. And then winners will then play the second place team from those playing stage. And the winner of that best of five <laughs> goes as the last two teams into the main stage. It's kind of a weird format switch up due to there being two less teams. I know there was a big rumor that, you know, North America and Korea were going to get an extra seed. And, you know, fans of both C9 and T1 were really hoping that that was going to happen because they didn't want their teams to miss Worlds. But right. different format. It's definitely going to be a little bit weirder in terms of, you know, how the the groups, the, the playing stages play out and then, you know, which teams move on. But I think it was a pretty good fix overall. I wasn't exactly sure how it was all going to work out with there being yeah. two less teams, but I think, you know, they did a great job in, you know, fixing it. Yeah, definitely. And thanks for that, that uh, I was going to say little rundown, but that quite the long rundown. Thank you for that, JNT. And for those listening at home, uh, if you're a little bit lost in all that, don't feel out because uh, I had to watch the video a couple of times before I started to grasp what was going on. Uh, it, it, in simpler terms, the way for me, the way I remembered it is: look, in the in the playing stage, out of the five or out of the two separate groups of five teams, first place just moves on, last place is out, and then the 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 other ones in between fight uh, for the last spot. If that does that sound right? Yeah, last two spots. Way of breaking it down. Yeah, yeah pretty much. It, it's it's quite a mess. Um, you know what? There is a video that we found. We'll probably leave a, a link in the description of the VOD so that people can go have a look at that and they'll be able to pause and go through because it is very lengthy and it is very confusing. So um, don't need to worry too much about that uh, without getting too much into it, because we do want to cover next week. Uh, all the other regions. Is there any, is there a team that you're really excited for or, or a team that you're missing out of, out of all the teams that you just mentioned? Mm, I don't know. I think for the most part, in terms of how all the regional leagues played out, I think the best teams are going to worlds. There's no team that kind of got like screwed out of, a world spot because of you know something that may or may not have happened but I, I think we're sending the best teams from each region i would say the team that i'm most excited for is probably top esports from china i think china are really big favorites this year at worlds um top especially they, they barely missed out on worlds last year i remember they lost in there was a best of five in the regional gauntlet which they lost to ig uh, their top esports is an insane team. If you haven't watched any top esports, I think watch out for Knight in the mid lane. That guy is a monster. He's probably the best mid laner at the tournament. Him, Showmaker, or Chovy. Chovy? One of those yeah. three. Showmaker and Chovy are both from Korea. Uh, Knight being on top esports from China. But I think this team is, I don't want to say the heavy, heavy favorite, but I think they're the heavy, heavy favorite to win Worlds. Like they, their, their play is nuts. I'm just excited to see China as a region every year. Like I'm so I'm so simple when it comes to that. I like that you see something new from China every year, whether it's new players, new teams, new playstyles, new something is going to happen every year. And and for me, I, more what I'm missing is FPX. And it's like, you know, they were there last year. We got to see plenty of them when they won Worlds and stuff like that. But you do like to see a team come back and be able to fight for that last spot. But like you said, if they're not here. It's because they didn't deserve to be here, right? So even though I miss them a little bit, it's like, you know, it's just that's the way it's got to be. But again, we're going to talk a little bit more about that next week. So we won't dive into that too much. Um, right now, we got to focus on North America. And we're going to talk about uh, how we think that the North American representatives are going to do at Worlds this year. Uh, obviously, just just a heads up for those listening to the recording. This is pre-group uh, draw. 
So the group draw, as of recording, this is being recorded September 14th. The group draw will be September 15th, and we will have another episode next week to talk about the different groups and the playing stage a little bit more. But let's focus on this week. We're going to start off with our third CTL, who has to make it through the playing stage first. Let, let's start simple. Do you think they're going to make it through the playing stage? If I'm being completely honest, I think it's more likely that TL doesn't make it out of plans than they oh. make it than they make it through. Really? Whoa! Yeah, and I, I did not see that coming. And my my main reasoning for saying that is because personally, like knowing uh, some of the various plan teams, I think they have some real, especially against some of the regional teams. I think they can have some really bad matchups against them okay. because realistically like the way the play-in format is going to work if you're a top seeded team uh in your group you know depending on how the draw goes tl could get mad lions or lgd drawn into their playing group that oh monka and i there's definitely a, i i think both of those teams are better than team liquid and therefore you know they would be the second seed going in meaning th they would have to probably play you know, the some of the better of the playing teams, and at that point, I think they have some really bad matchups. Specifically, uh, V3 Esports and Unicorns of Love. I think those two teams, you know, Unicorns of Love almost made it into the main stage last year, and I think they're playing just as well. And I think they have a chance to make it into main stage again this year. But honestly, I think TL. It's more likely they don't make it than that they make it. Really? So I actually do think TL is going to make it. I think that they will get through the group stage, and I think that it will be beneficial, which is always – that's such a classic take. Every year we talk about uh, the third seed, and is it advantageous to be able to practice a little bit and, you know, uh, I, I, I don't know, basically fix any little problems that you're having in the playing stage? And, and that's a question that's talked about every year. And I come back to say yes every time. Now, now that doesn't mean that I think you want to be the third seed. That's, that's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying there are some benefits to being there, and I think that TL will be able to do that. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean I think they're going to pop off when they do make it into the great group stage, if they do. Um, but I do think that they are a top four team out of the ten teams that are in playoffs. Uh, that is what you need, right? You need to be top four out of the yeah. – I mean, top two in each group of five. But I do think that they will some fall somewhere in the top four of those teams. Um, where I am a little bit hesitant about TL now – uh, and we talked all split about how, you know, they, they were winning games, but they didn't look that great doing that, doing it. Uh, I'm a little bit more afraid for their macro now, which is something a little bit fresh uh, from the last week's um, series against TSM. It was the first time that, like, I really came into question their macro uh, when it came to, to TL's playstyle being really slow and just playing for objectives and then being able to win through macro. I didn't think that their macro looked that good. And I think that's if you're struggling with that in North America. And, and by the way, for our listeners, I'm sorry, but you're going to hear me say this a lot in this episode. But anyways, if you're struggling with that in North America, you're going to struggle a lot at Worlds. And so I don't have that much confidence in this team. Um, however, there's some good things. Um, I do. You got to remember this team still has core JJ. Uh, this guy can make plays. And not only can he make plays, he's a world champion. So it's not like this is anything new to him. Core JJ will be on your team. The only thing that I don't want to see out of Core JJ is Braum. I think that TL needs him on playmakers. And if you put Braum in his hands, that is one less guy making plays on your team that doesn't really have a whole lot of uh, playmakers. Yeah, um, I think, you know, the, the main people that I think TL needs to look, uh, look for, I mean, I guess focus on 
uh, to be successful in the playing stage is definitely Core JJ, Jensen, and Impact for me. I think, you know, where I can see potentially exploitable spots are uh, both Tactical and Broxa. Uh, mainly, I think, due to Broxa's, you know, very slow and controlling playstyle. I think when Broxa originally joined Team Liquid, everyone was thinking that he was going to be super hyper-aggressive and this was going to make TL a much faster team. And it kind of just feels like he's more just playing the Xsmithy role than being Broxa in my eyes. I know he's, he has his games on Lee Sin where he does, you know, he does make plays and is super aggressive. But for the most part, he's, he's kind of just filling Xsmithy's role. And, you know, I, don't, I, I think if we see a different version of Broxa at plans where we see more of Broxa, I think then Team Liquid has a much higher chance to make it out. But if we see uh, Broxa cosplaying as Xsmithy, at plans, I think they'll have a much more difficult time. Man, I can't put my finger on Broxa anymore because I totally, I would have totally agreed with you three or four months ago. But after the summer split, I thought that he looked better when he was playing supportive junglers and not like he played a lot of Lee Sin. And it's not like his Lee Sin was awful, but he didn't have that much of an impact on the Lee Sin early, which is one thing that you generally want to do with that pick. And so I, I can't figure out what, what to think about this guy anymore. But I did a little bit of fishing because uh, throughout the whole split, we've talked so much about, you know, is he really having an impact on the lanes and whatnot? So I did a little bit of fishing. And he actually, in, in playoffs, he actually had the second lowest kill participation. Uh, really? out of That was like out of eight, eight junglers, I think, or something like that. I don't remember. Yeah, second lowest. Now, it wasn't incredibly low. It was 69.4%, which is not great, but not... You know, it's it's not terrible, I suppose. And then in the regular season, he was actually sixth in kill participation. Um, and that, that was just in summer split, to be sp more specific. And that was 70%. And that was without counting some players that only played, like, six games, like Acadian and Medios. And I obviously didn't count Potluck because he played, like, four games. So those were all players that were ahead of him. So, I mean, you could look at it as ninth, but pretty much sixth in kill participation in summer. Which, for a first-place team, nah, it's not that great, honestly. Yeah, I mean, definitely I think there's people still have questions about Broxa. You know, I think people... I think it, it he's fallen short of people's expectations, that's for sure. Right. Um, and I don't think anybody was... Again, you, you think back to at the start of Season 10 when Broxa's joining Team Liquid and you have Impact, Broxa, Jensen, Double of Core JJ, and you're thinking, we have, this is our clear number one team in the league, yeah. and now they were third place in NA, going third seed at Worlds, and we have questions about, you know, a few of their players, just, you know, if they're going to be able to, you know, what how well they're going to do at Worlds. But I think my main problem that I have, not with the players of Team Liquid, but I have as, you know, Team Liquid as a team themselves is, they struggle with unorthodox drafts. And I think in the play-in stage, that is something that you're going to see a lot of. You know, I think back to Gigabyte Marines in Season 7, where they were lane-swapping in Season 7, and they whipped out the Nocturne jungle with double jungling, and he had he had Nocturne ulted at like 4, four minutes and 50 seconds into the game. I think of, you know, in, in terms of Team Liquid struggles, I think of the, Cloud, the game they played against Cloud9, where they were down 6k um, early game when C9 pulled out the Hecarim with Sona Lux. Um, I think of the TSM series where they whipped out Shen Jungle and really didn't understand. You know, they had to kind of adapt as they went, but they couldn't really figure out the Shen Jungle. And when you're playing best of ones in a play-in stage, you can get cheesed easily. And cheese is something the play-in teams will always whip out. And, you know, the meta in North America will definitely not be the same as the meta in a different region. So 
you know, priority on champions will be can be a lot different. Teams might have, you know, very low priority on certain champions that could be very high on Team Liquid's side. Um, champions that they aren't practiced against or aren't expected that, that can get whipped out at any moment. And, you know, all sort of signs point to TL struggling when, you know, they're up against some unorthodox draft. And I think especially against the playing teams, it's something that they're going to be whipping out 100%. They're going to they're gonna try to cheese these high-tier teams in Mad Lions, LGD, and, and Team Liquid. So I actually couldn't agree more with you with what you said there. I do think that they will get um, pushed to play some matchups that they don't necessarily want to play. And I think we've already seen that with Impact this year. Uh, I think he got just taken advantage of, uh, especially against TSM. But in, in so many matchups, or throughout the whole summer split, it just felt like I wasn't seeing much out of Impact if he wasn't on a tank and I've been one I, I've said like I think impact should be playing tanks I think he's a great tank player but again I, I told I told you guys you're gonna hear this a lot this episode if you think that it's working in NA and you're fine you're wrong it's not gonna just work like that at worlds you need to be able to play more than just tanks and you're like there are people that will outclass you on the world stage don't be surprised if somebody picks Fiora or something like that in top lane and you're just stuck on a tank getting wrecked that's my biggest fear when it comes with with TL and Impact is I, I think that he's another area that they can get exploited really easily. And uh, it just seems like this team has too many holes, which is crazy to say because they finished the split 15 and three. I didn't think that I would ever say, you know, a team has too many holes in, in their lineup when when they have such a, a dominating record. But it's just true. I, I don't really have a lot of faith. Uh, in, in impact and I've been I've been a little bit critical of him but I think it's justified and I think that um, I, I mentioned earlier about their their macro that's been lacking every time TL tries to make a play on one side of the map impact is dying on the other side of the map I'm not even kidding like it's actually insane how often Broxa will try to make a play bot and he, and he's dying top or or if they have uh, if they have impact in the bot lane and they they lane swap in the middle of the game then you got impact dying in the side lane. It's like that is so important on the world stage to be able to apply pressure without getting caught. As soon as you get caught, that is a Baron. That is maybe that Dragon Soul. It could be Elder Dragon. You can't let that happen, and it's happened way too much this this year. So I'm really, really concerned about impact, and I hope to God he can prove me wrong. Yeah, especially on the world stage, you know, specifically European, Chinese, and Korean teams are their top laners and their bot laners are so good at being able to play weak side, strong side. And I think that's something that North America really struggles with is yep. uh, knowing how to play your, your weak side lanes, uh, knowing, uh, knowing the thought process of when you need to be sacking your waves, when you need to sack, like when you need to just back up in your lane, when you need to give XP and just let the other laner beat you in because you're playing weak side of the map and not get dove repeatedly and lose, lose two to three waves of farm. Uh, knowing when your TP plays are, knowing when to not TP and stay on the weak side of the map to be able to pick up EXP and farm. I think that's something that NA teams really struggle with. And especially, like you mentioned, if they're stuck on tanks and enemy teams are going to be picking carries into them and your tanks start to fall behind, like it is very, very hard to come back in a carry versus tank matchup unless you're getting a lot of a jungle attention top or the rest of the map is thriving. Yeah, and, and I'm happy that you bring up the NA point about it because even though, uh, so for sure, like this is an impact problem in my eyes, it is absolutely an NA problem, honestly. It's not just impact that struggles with, with that little dilemma there. Um, I want to talk about Jensen a little bit uh, because all split long, so I, I think Jensen's been great, right? I think that he's been 
Well, no, he definitely has been a top mid laner this split. There's a reason why he was voted uh, in the top three All-Stars or whatever the hell that thing's called. But he plays really slow. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why we didn't see Bjergsen get punished so much in lane when he's picking the Zillion and stuff like that. Well, I, th I don't think that you could just play super slow at Worlds. It seems to me that we continue to see uh, NA teams really start to get exposed on the world stage when they play too slow. And I remember Jizuke, one of the first things he said when he came to North America was, North American mids don't play to win the lane. They're playing to just shove and roam, which is fine. That That's fine. But sometimes you need to win that lane. And I haven't seen Jensen do that since he's been playing, since he was on Cloud9 playing the LeBlanc or the Akali back then. And we do see him whip out those champions every now and then, but not all that often. He's been kind of an Azir and TF Andy, and uh, I don't know if that's going to work out that well when it comes to Worlds. Yeah, I, I, for me, I think Jensen, he's... I, I'm worried both about Jensen and Impact, but at the same time, I'm also not worried because these are two players that have been sort of at the top in terms of performances at worlds um in terms of na players impact you know everyone sort of always questions impact and rightfully so because we have fair reasons to question him but when worlds usually rolls around he's never a liability he's usually going even he's doing pretty well uh same with jensen you know the only games i can really think of was when he kind of like entered the lane against ig in that final group stage game uh last year but other than that jensen's a very solid mid laner he has a lot of worlds experience he's been to semifinals uh, since he's been on Cloud9. He's been to Worlds every single year. He's been a mid laner. So, you know, while we do have these questions about Team Liquid, specifically around Jensen and Impact, I am also, you know, it doesn't make me as nervous due to their previous performances at Worlds. So, uh, I don't know. I, I think, for me, with Team Liquid, is if they get drawn into an easy playing group, I think they're golden. But, you know, I think there can be scenarios where they get unlucky in terms of the group draw and, you know, the draw of who they need to play in best of fives uh, to get into the main stage where they can they have some losing matchups. Yeah. And, and before we move on, uh, we will move on to FlyQuest and TSM in a little bit, I, I promise. But I do want to talk a little bit about the bot lane because I, I tactical. So for those that don't know, this is going to be Tactical's first time at Worlds. Um, tactical has been unreal in team fights. And so something to be really excited for for Team Liquid, I think, is team fights. And the, and the reason why is because so many times the, your clutch opportunity happens in a team fight. And I think that is so important at Worlds, the ability to be clutch. And that is something that we have seen from Tactical. If I mean, we just have to think about their game against uh, FlyQuest a couple weeks ago where he absolutely styled on, on FlyQuest in that 3v5 scenario. Those are fights that matter. And th that's something that you actually do need at Worlds. I can't even tell you how many times we've seen clutch team fights out of Faker, and then he goes on to win a World Championship. Now, of course, I'm not saying TL's going to get a clutch team fight and go on to win Worlds. I'm not delusional here. But that's something that does matter, and so I am really excited to see Tactical play on the World stage. I think this is, is kind of like that opportunity where there's, there's no pressure when there's no expectations out of you. And so I think that uh, the experience that you'll get as a young player in Tactical will be so valuable and I hope that it really does whether it's whether they do perform well or whether they don't I really hope that he gets a lot out of this um, now with that excitement does come a little bit of fear because and I have to admit some bias here because um, well tactical and core JJ have been getting killed in lane in the last three series 
uh, if I'm not mistaken. The last three series, they've been killed in lane. And each time, I thought to myself, boy, Tactical's laning phase is not good. But I, the bias there is that Core JJ is part of this bot lane. And because Core JJ is so good, I have it in my head that it can't be his fault. Well, it absolutely can be. And so I, I need to remind myself that if someone dies bot lane, it could definitely be a bot lane problem and not a tactical problem or a core JJ. Like usually it's both, right? And so I I do think that core JJ and tactical need to find it, uh, find their laning phase and, and get things going again because I think that's definitely been their weakness together as a duo. Mm -hmm. I, but I, yeah, I don't know. I, I think Team Liquid, they'll be all right unless they get unlucky. Yeah, I, I'm also afraid one other topic that we talked about so much throughout the year, and not even just us, so many people were criticizing TL of not playing a lot of different drafts. It was uh, it was the only team that I heard of where people were actually counting how many unique picks they had throughout the entire split. And when you go to Worlds, you need a champ pool. Mm -hmm. And so I, I'm not saying I hate their champ pool. I'm not saying that. But I am saying we haven't seen them play a lot of different stuffs. And so I don't know whether I hate their champ pool or not, you know? So that, that's my my last concern when it comes to Team Liquid. Would you would you agree that that's something to worry about or or not really? I don't know. It, it just depends on you know the world's meta and how that evolves. You know, uh, more often than not, we see that uh, the metas that each region um, has going into worlds often get switched up quite a lot due to you know the scrim metas that they have, and you know there's like a di there's even like a change in meta from week one to week two. You know. We'll, we'll just have to see. That's one of the funnest part about Worlds is when you see the meta shift. And it's fun to see the people that shift that meta. And with that, I think we should shift over to FlyQuest because there's a player on FlyQuest that I have in mind that is not afraid to go against the meta. Um, I'll have I'll give a little reminder to those uh, that it, it's been a while since we've seen 2017 Worlds. But for those that don't remember, 2017 Worlds, we had an Ardent Sensor meta. And if you weren't playing an Ardent Sensor support, you were kind of trolling, unless you were Ignar. Because Ignar, I actually did a little bit more digging. Um, he actually played half of his games were uh, were um, Ardent Sensor champions. Out of the 12 games they played that year, six of them were Ardent Sensor uh, champions and six of them were not, which is incredible because I'm sure if I were to look at all the other supports from that world championship, uh, I'm pretty sure probably 80 plus percent of the games would have been ardent sensor supports maybe even 90 plus so ignar is a guy that i'm really excited to see play because he's a guy that doesn't really care about the meta and he will go against the meta if he thinks that it's a good counter or if he thinks that it just gives his team the better chance to win yeah i think everyone always remembers ignar for his fervor leona and you know his blitzcrank at that world's where he hooked faker out of the w and you know misfits almost beating skt in a best of five took him to five games in the quarterfinals but I definitely agree that Ignar is definitely one of those players who I think will get, you know, a bit of a world's buff in terms of, you know, his overall play. But I really like Ignar. I like his champ pool and the way that it interacts with, you know, the meta. I think roaming as a support is super, super important in League and even more so at Worlds. You know, we see a ton of... Uh, I'm just thinking to back to, like, previous MSIs and previous Worlds. And when you're a you're going to get like three to four man in mid lane. Like I know like in the meta and NA, you know, sure. A gank in mid lane is the jungler ganking mid lane. A gank at worlds is the supports <laughs> ganking you. The jungles ganking you. You're getting some CC thrown at you from the ADC, whether that might be an Ash, whether that might be a Senna, 
like uh, ganks are three to four man in worlds because teams are so coordinated they know exactly what they're doing they know their timings and ignar is one of these types of players who finds his timings is very proficient on the roaming supports in terms of being around the map and getting involved with kill participation but on the flip side i think i'm actually very nervous for wild turtle in in this sort of a meta you know he's he's been I think he, he's been playing a lot better because he's been put on the Ash and the Senna and the Caitlyn, these very sort of, and not laid back, but, you know, laid back in lane, how you're, like, your focus is on, you know, getting bot pressure, going over to early drags. But more often than not, do we see the world's meta kind of go back to carry-oriented ADCs? And I don't like Wild Turtle's chances playing a carry ADC against any other ADC at Worlds. So, okay, a, a couple of things. I, I want to talk back because I just think it's really funny and super accurate what you said about the mid lane stuff, how, you know, you're just chilling, everything's fine, you're playing Orianna, you're wave clearing, and next thing you know, you have an Alistair in your face, and the Alistair knocks you up and then knocks you back, and then Lissandra ultis you, and then Lee Sin comes in for the execute. Like, that to me is just, like, when you were talking about everyone showing up mid, you just painted that picture in my head, so I just thought that that was that was really funny, and I think you're so right. Second, when we're talking about Wild Turtle, I do see your hesitation as to his champ pool has been pretty limited, and he doesn't exactly play those carry AD carries, which is such a weird thing to say. But um, I actually... So here's the thing. With Turtle, this would be, like, the opportunity to get himself away from, like, the Turtle stigma, right? Because... Turtle has not been that great of an AD carry for some time now, for quite a while. Would you agree? Yes. Right. And I think this year has been hands down his best split in so long. And I think the only thing that would ruin it would be running it down at Worlds. Yeah. And so I think, like, like, if there's a time that Turtle needs to hold his own, it's now. And I need to be honest because two two months ago, I, I two and a half months ago or something like that, I was on Hotline League saying that, this team needs to look for a new AD carry before the deadline. I was that guy. And he has been so good. And now he is actually, in my opinion, sorry, I just hit my mic from there. He is, in my opinion, the most consistent AD carry that we have going to Worlds from the LCS right now. I think he's more consistent than Doublelift right now. And I think he's more consistent than Tactical. I can't believe I'm saying this. Isn't that crazy? Am I wrong? Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. But I'm just trying to like picture. I'm trying to picture a FlyQuest match of like worlds going on in my head, and like <laughs> I think of a Wild Turtle int before I think of a good Wild Turtle like play. You know okay, I mean? so do I. And for our listeners that don't know, because we haven't been doing this podcast for that long, we've been pretty critical of Wild Turtle for probably a couple of years now. So it's it's actually if people if we had been doing this show for a couple of years. People would think it's so crazy that we're giving Wild Turtle this praise for how good he's looked. And honestly, yeah, it is it is kind of crazy. But you talked about him. Uh, I, I don't know if you brought up Ash, but he's been playing a lot of Ash. Yeah, Ash, Senna, Caitlyn, that kind of and jam. I, I don't want to put words in your mouth. What, what did you say exactly? You're afraid that he can't play carries or something? What, what did you say? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm afraid that he's going to get exposed if, you know, Worlds goes back to, like, Zaya, Kaisa, Ezreal meta. Right, okay, yes. Okay, uh, and honestly, so am I. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, so am I. But what I will say is that I think that his Ash works really well with Santorin because, well, we all know Ash's broken ability where she could just see the other jungler's path and all of his camps and just, Hot well, honestly, cheat. Like, it's such bullshit. But 
think about what Santorin is able to do with that. Like, he has been such a dominating jungler this split, and I do, I don't want to take credit away from Santorin, but I do think that it really, really fucking helps when you have that Hawkshot giving you so much information. It's really easy to outplay the other jungler when you know all of his camps that are done, and you know exactly where he is. And, well, fortunately, Ash has an ability that can do that. Now, let's not forget, uh, I, well, hold on, I don't know, did Ash get the nerf yet? I think well, Ash was supposed to get a nerf. Cute. I don't know if it's on the world patch or not. I think it is. Regardless, we can't even say for sure that Wild Turtle will get the Ash. If it is a, if it is still an OP pick, we still don't even know like if, you know, if FlyQuest is going to get that in every game. But the point is is that it's something that even though you you want him uh you don't want him to get outplayed when he picks champions like that because Zaya and and Jin and all these other champions that are just nuts later um will be probably better than whatever Wild Turtle can bring. It does give a little bit of a buff to his jungler, and I think that it is on Santorin to carry this team. I think that he has been their best player this year. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think Santorin's been the best performing player on FlyQuest, and I think a lot of the pressure is on his back to be able to keep pace um, with these other junglers. I think uh, kind of the similar... Um, uh, what's the word? The similar concerns that we have with impact I share with Solo uh, in yes. terms of him blind picking tanks and being a very blind picky pick safe laner kind of champion. And as we mentioned before, um, if he gets into a tank versus carry matchup in a top lane, I think he can get exposed even harder than impact potentially could because I think impact is a, overall a better player than Solo and better on yeah, the see, world I stage. And, well, I'm talking at worlds like under the okay. pressure impacts going to be fine. I think. But you know, this is solo. This is going to be Solo's first Worlds. You know, this is a lot of for for FlyQuest teams. You know, a lot of these players have been to Worlds, but it's been a while since they've been to Worlds. You know, Santorin hasn't been to Worlds since season five. Uh, Ignar and Parvival haven't been since season seven. Turtle hasn't been since season five, and this is Solo's first world. So, I don't. You know, these players aren't super acclimated to the world stage, and if we're seeing a bit of the Solo that we had in that game five against TSM. I can easily see that happening in any game at Worlds. Yeah, so I don't want to get off topic here, but just I uh, just want to give a thank you to someone in the live chat that did did give us the update that uh, the Ash nerfs will be live for, for the Worlds patch. So thank you for that. Um, I, anyways, I do want to get back on Solo and talk about Solo because I, I... So I do agree with you in that I am worried about the top lane champ pool being uh, exposed, maybe. The thing is, where I'm a little bit different with when it comes to Impact versus Solo is like, Impact we've seen for so long be very good on tanks and not so good on carries. Solo, I don't really know how to feel because when he played GP or Mordekaiser, he looked really fucking good these playoffs. But one, that's only two champions. And two, I don't know if it's him or if it's it's the coaching staff holding him back in draft from that. Like, I, I don't think that TL would want to hold back Impact from picking something like a carry, but I, I do think that it's more like he just doesn't really perform that well when he's not on a tank versus solo. It's like, I think he can pr perform better on carries, but we haven't really seen all that many opportunities. And we saw when, when it comes to both these players, we saw broken blade, absolutely, absolutely expose both of them. And again, if that's going to happen in North America, you're going to get exposed at worlds as well. And so that's where I'm really afraid of, of, uh, of the top lane for FlyQuest. Again, I don't know if it's Solo's champion pool or if it's the coaches that don't want to put him on anything else. Regardless, there's a problem in top lane. 
And I think that that's one area that FlyQuest could be exposed uh, coming up to Worlds. So even though I'm all excited for, you know, Turtle being able to maybe cement his season as a turnaround season at Worlds, and Ignar being able to make some great catches, and, you know, Santorin looking great and all this stuff, uh, like, we got to be realistic here, and I'm worried about that top lane matchup. Um, yeah. yeah. What, what do you think? I mean, uh... I don't know. I think looking at FlyQuest as a whole, I don't think they're a team. You know, yes, I think they have the potential. Uh, you know, if they're playing, if they're if all their players are playing great and they're you know playing greater to the sum of their parts, I think this is a team that you know has the possibility of getting out of groups. Um, but I do think it's also very dependent on the group they get drawn into in terms of how many. You know, if they're gonna have you know. Because the way Worlds works now with more EU and Chinese teams coming in, like there are situations where you're going to have a group with one NA, one EU, one Korea, and one China. And I don't see FlyQuest being much... I don't see FlyQuest you know, winning against any of the top EU, Korean, and Chinese teams. But I do think you know they have the potential to potentially make it out. <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds funny. They have the potential <laughs> to potentially make it out. <laughs> But I do think this is a team that definitely can play spoiler to, you know, a certain team in a group where, you know, teams might be tied three and two and FlyQuest could be that 05 team that takes a game off somebody and, you know, plays spoiler. But we'll, we'll have to see for group draw, I think, for FlyQuest to see how well we think they're going to do. Isn't it so fucking sad that, like, as North American fans, it's it's come down to there's the potential for potential like yeah. that's that's where we're at now like i'm totally right there with you but like that's oh man god damn and a is gonna struggle this year yikes uh anyways th there are some some good things to be excited though for and we definitely laid that out and i, I do want to talk a little bit about poe um because i think that he was a little bit misused in their last series now i don't want to do a whole deep dive into the last series because we did that last week but i do want to say that moving forward i don't think you need poe to be the counter pick i think that he's a guy that can play so many different things and so when it comes to FlyQuest drafting at this world like, okay, so last week they did the victor into the, the zillion, you know? So zillion would ulti, and then you would lay the gravity field below and be able to kill. I don't think that you need to use your mid lane pick as your counter pick. PoE's been good on so many different things. You don't need to force like him onto victor, which, by the way, his victor isn't that bad, but it did look bad that game. Just let him play. Let him get... Uh, you could draft late with him or you could draft early. It doesn't matter. Just put him on something he's comfortable and he will perform even if he himself does get countered and so i think that that's a really powerful tool to have is to be able to put a player on something yeah uh, even if you draft it early and he'll be able to perform so that's one thing that i think flyquest should utilize to their advantage and i don't think they utilize that to their advantage in the tsm series so i hope to see that at worlds pick something early for for um for poe if you have to i don't think that he needs a counter pick to perform and I i'm really excited to see um to see him on the world stage as well. And for those that don't know, the the little storyline that's going on with FlyQuest that's a little bit exciting is, and I think you mentioned earlier, how Santorin's going back with Turtle. The last time they were at Worlds was together, and the same thing for Ignar and PoE. And the last thing that I want to mention about Solo is just a little fun fact. I think he's the oldest player at Worlds. Either really? he's the oldest player at Worlds, or he's the oldest player from North America. One of the two. 
So yeah, twenty-seven. Check, check me on that. Yeah, pretty old. Damn. Yeah, and, and I only know that because Travis tweeted out something about is Doublelift going to be the oldest player, and everyone's like, well, no. Oh yeah, Solo is Solo born is... May twenty-sixth, and Doublelift is July nineteenth. They're the same year, same age, so. Yeah, I guess yeah. he might be the oldest player at Worlds then. I mean, I don't know. He like maybe, be. maybe there's some yeah, rando that's... playing team with some old guy. Right, like and a BRTT kind of thing. I know he's the oldest from North America, and so I just thought that that was a little fun fact. And someone who's really interested could go look at all that shit. I'm not that interested. Uh, anything else on FlyQuest before we move on to TSM? No. TSM. Okay, let's hop into TSM. Where Where do you want to start with these guys? Um. Let's start out with the bad of TSM. Hmm. Okay, and what's the bad of TSM? I mean, I know I have some bad of TSM, but what what's your bad of TSM? Well, uh, I've made this point before, and it failed me then, but I, I think it's definitely valid now, and, you know, will Spica be able to live up to jungling against, you know, top-tier junglers in the league? And, uh, you know, I, I said that about North America, and I said that in North American playoffs, and he proved me wrong. Good for you, Spica. I, I think you actually. Hey, please, I, please, yeah. for the love of God. I thought I, wrong, I, right? I gave him I gave him my pop off in in the week of finals. Uh, yeah. So, but still, I, I'm nervous for Spica against the world on the world stage. I, I'm nervous uh, a little bit for you know if he gets into some sort of situation, you know, aggressive jungler, and he's playing you know a super passive jungler, or if it's like aggressive jungler versus aggressive jungler, and he starts like o two o one. And these Korean, Chinese, European teams, like they know how to snowball their games. They know how to run you over. You know, they're not gonna they're not gonna give you any room to breathe. You know, a lot of the NA teams, they like to, you know, if they get behind, sure, maybe they're gonna, you know, they're gonna sack they're gonna sack their outer towers, they're gonna sack the first couple of dragons, then they're gonna play for their third dragon fight. These other teams aren't gonna do that. They're gonna be much more aggressive in terms of their their decisions to take fights, um, their aggressive vision play and basically choking you out of the game. And, you know, uh, I, again, I hope Spica. I hope you can prove me wrong, but there are there, there, Spica could get exposed. The thing is, like your your fear or whatever, whatever your concern is valid. Like, so I'm concerned about that too, man. You're always concerned about a rookie rookie jungler just being taken advantage and uh, taking advantage of on the world stage. Like, let's be honest, man. Jungle is the most influential role, I, I think, on on the world stage, I would have to say. Yeah, um, there's I agree not with that. often a lot of mistakes made in the lanes. It, it's really junglers that are kind of running show with macro, so uh, that's where I'm really nervous for TSM, but like you said, Spica's looked really fucking good lately, and regardless, I think that TSM fans can be excited for Spica, even if he doesn't perform well. This is a, this is a guy who I don't know if he's officially a rookie, but he should be if he's not. Anyways, he's a rookie jungler. And I think that the the experience that you get of going to Worlds, and even if you do get smashed by all these godlike junglers, is going to be so valuable for just the TSM uh, team and brand moving forward. Like, I I've said this for a while now. I think that Spica going to Worlds will be so good, and I think that he is blossoming into such a good player in North America. And I think that world's experience is just going to make him that much more better and i think that he's going to be an absolute beast next year um but let's talk a little bit more about now um my concern is well where do i start i got concerns kind of everywhere <laughs> um okay let, let's start with with top lane because uh i mentioned earlier how and people saw how broken blade just basically outplayed 
uh, solo, outplayed Impact, and TSM was snowballing wins through the top lane. Now, I don't know if I'm convinced that they're going to be able to get those great matchups all the time against world teams. I mentioned earlier how top laners at Worlds will not be afraid to pick something that they can outplay you with. They're not just going to be on Orn duty all the time, so you can't just TF ulti top into the Camille and just, you know, wreck someone top lane. I don't know exactly how Broken Blade's going to do now. Sure, you can outplay some guys that are just playing tanks, but if it comes to Broken Blade versus insert world-class top laner here, I'm probably going to take the inserted top laner here. Hmm. You know? What do you think? I don't know. I, uh, In my opinion, I think, you know, TSM solo lanes are their biggest strength in terms of their potential oh, success for Worlds. I agree with that. But yeah, I mean, it still doesn't make me think that they're better than other world class. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, solo laners. I definitely like Broken Blade more than I like way more than I like Solo and Impact just for the fact that he is willing. Agreed. He he is willing to take carry matchups top lane. He he is yes. a very intelligent laner in terms of as I mentioned before, knowing how to play weak side and yes, he he didn't have necessarily the best of splits earlier on, but you know, when he was turning it on towards the end, he had really really good play. Uh, TSM plays around him. when it matters. Yeah, yeah. TSM played around him a lot. Um, he's very proficient on carries. You know, we saw him. We saw him, as you mentioned, beat down Lakers solo and Impact for uh, you know all three of those series. And uh, you know, I think he he is the best chance out of those three top laners to potentially go toe to toe with these world cast world class top laners like a Wonder, also like agree. a Whippo, like a Nuggery, like a like a Doran. You know, uh, other Chinese top laners like 369, Zoom. Uh, I don't know who the top laners for Sooning and LGD are, but I think, you know, he has a very good chance against those top laners in terms of, you know, being able to draft. You know, Broken Blade has a very wide champion pool. He can play the carries, he can play the tanks. He knows these little nuanced counter matchups. Uh, and same goes for Bjergsen. You know, Bjergsen's playing, I think, I, I would argue this is the, he's at his peak in terms of his carrying potential in his career. Yeah. He's, he's doing yeah. the, he's hard carrying, uh, I think, harder than he ever has. And I hope that Bjergsen sort of continues to keep that same effort and energy going into Worlds. He's looking really, really good on the on the LeBlanc, on the Twisted Fate. He's still, uh, you know, a world-class player with control mages with the Syndra and the Orianna. He's always, you know, he knows how to play the counter matchups. He's very good at blind picking his midliners. And I think those two specifically give TSM, I think, large advantages through draft and as I mentioned before, speak is a concern. And honestly, you know, the bot lane is a little bit of a concern for me because I don't think double lift yeah. is the same double lift that we are accustomed to. He's, he's a much more passive player in lane, which can get exploited. He, you know, again, if it's going, if we're doing support 80 carry meta right now, um, I don't like him as much as I'd like other 80 carries. Um, if we're going back to carry meta, you know, that my opinion there definitely changes. Cause I still think double lift is a very great carry player. And, you know, he still is, he's got that synergy with Biofrost. Um, and hopefully they'll be able to build more synergy throughout their Worlds boot camp, even though Biofrost kind of just recently got subbed back into the team during playoffs. But I think if we continue to see this AD carry meta, I th definitely think it's a weaker point for TSM spot lane than if it was a carry meta. Right now, I, I want to ask you, because I have my opinion, do you have more confidence in Biofrost or Double Lift right now? Well, double Lift, but not. I actually have more confidence in Biofrost. I don't know. I think I, he's I, been a lot better and a lot more consistent as of late. I just now, say, I, I just say that sorry, based on previous performances and Biofrost being so relatively new. I mean, we didn't see a huge champ pool out of Biofrost. You know, we saw him pretty exclusively mm -hmm. 
uh, on Bard. Whenever, whenever Bard was available, they Bard would just Rakan. stick. Yeah, Bard Rakan. And, you know, when teams, it, it, like if you're looking at a draft standpoint and you have teams where there's one player super proficient on that champion, but since the enemy team is like a world-class Korean, Chinese, European team, like they know all these same nuanced solo, these all these same nuanced solo lanes just like TSM does, and when you're just able to simply ban out Ricard and ba- Bard and Rakan, yeah, hard. Ricard. <laughs> I, I, I kind of I combined the two there, <laughs> but if a team yeah. can just ban out Rakan and Bard, and then just blind pick solo laners, and you know know how to play into that, and then you get counter pick for support, and Biofrost could be playing something that he's maybe not as accustomed to, that can get exploited super hard, and I, I don't see that as the same with Double Lift. I think he's pretty proficient on every champion now. With him picking Even up Senna. the Senna. Yeah, yeah, he picked the Senna. So. Okay, no, you, you make a good point because you, you just made me think, and, and I know you mentioned earlier how, like, we don't know what the world's meta is going to look like. And you, you bring up the concern now of, well, what if bot lane or what if support bans are, like, really common? You know, what what if that's an issue? And now you do have to push Biofrost onto his third, fourth, maybe even fifth best champion. That could be a concern because we don't know what the metas are going to look like and how bans are going to shape out and stuff like that. But I do feel really confident in him if he is on that Bard or the Rakan or even this Thresh, I think is pretty good. But I think those three, there, there could be a couple of others, but those three I feel pretty comfortable with him on. Um, but yeah, I do. I Yeah, you, you did make me think of that. So that is a concern. When it comes to double lift, uh, man, it's not even that I think he's bad, but it's that he's not at his best and his best has not been good enough for how many years now and that's such a like it's a very like short you know closed-minded way of looking at it but i can't ignore it like how many times have you been to worlds and not made it out and like i don't think this tsm is much better than or not even much better i just think it's worse than 2016 and 2017 uh tsm which again is not a fair comparison different times different metas different a bunch of stuff honestly but it's something i can't get out of the back of my mind and i just I don't think that this is the year that Doublelift is going to make it out of groups, but wouldn't it be so poetic, though? Like, yeah, the year that people aren't... Ex- them, yeah. And, like, there's no expectations, and then you make it out of groups. Like, wouldn't that be something? That that would be really nice to see, and I think that would be great. But if we have to come back down to reality, uh, I don't see this team doing too well. I mean, one thing that I think TSM kind of has going for them is, you know, this is, I think, the lowest people's or the community's expectations of NA's potential NA's success at worlds i think this is at an all-time low i don't think any yeah. anybody is really predicting like you think <laughs> you, you think back to like season six season seven tsm and then season nine team liquid like looking at those teams like everyone everyone had those teams as locks pretty much from the get-go to get out of groups was and, it 2015 oh sorry go ahead continue your point well just my point is that like all the NA number one seed had very high expectations going into mm-hmm. Worlds, and this is the year where those expectations aren't as high. And who knows, maybe like the reduced pressure will do TSM some benefit in terms of, you know, their uh, them being calm and relaxed during games, and you know, not yeah, no, sort of cracking under the pressure. Point. No, it's it's a really good point because every year there is at least one team from North America that is hella hyped, and this year I don't think we got it. Um, Maybe TSM, just because there's a lot of TSM fans, but for me personally, I'm not exactly hyped about either one of these teams uh, uh, doing well. Um, was it 2015, though, where no other NA teams got out of Worlds? Like, there was last year, or got out of groups, pardon me. There was last year, but what was the other year? Yeah, 2015. Where no... That was where the week right. 2 NA first started. 
I can't remember what the hype was going into 2016. Was it just like we were like 2015 well, was bad, but it's okay because we got Doublelift and Bjergsen on the same team? Well, like, it was, was it okay? Yeah. GSM was just like very good that season, pretty much. That was the season they were like 17 and one. Was 2016 yeah. summer? Yeah. So, oh, and I'll, actually, I think that might have also been the year that Bjergsen and Doublelift made the top 20 list. Is that it? I think so. Bjergsen was like eight or something. Doublelift was 19 or something yeah, like I, that. I, and then I, they got clapped and they were like, I think that was the last year North America had a guy in the top 20. It was like, yeah, big time mistakes. This ain't happening again. And North America has not seen the top 20 list. I don't, I don't know if that's true. I, 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 I don't know if that's true specifically. If what's true. If like that and no yeah, other they, NA player has been on the, the world's top 20 since then. Yeah, I'd be curious uh, if if you want to if someone wants to fact check that and let us know in the comments, please do. Or if JNT wants to do a little bit of hunting, feel free to do that because I would really like to know that. I don't think there has been, but uh, yeah, I, I didn't really look that up or anything, so I could be completely wrong. Um, Doublelift was on it in 2017. He was 20. Really? Yeah. Oh, and I, that's it. And then was there anyone uh, else? I'm just scrolling through 20. right now. Bjergsen was 10. Uh, no way. When? This is 2017. Doublelift was 20 and Bjergsen was 10. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm just wrong. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't think that was right because Doublelift. Doublelift. He's. I always find that Doublelift is just thrown in there as number 20. Yeah, Doublelift was number 20 again in 2018. Really? It's, yeah. And I, I, it I seems have like a, a pity vote. It seems like a little pity. Here you go. Yeah. I. I'm telling. If any. Okay, if any on, NA actually. player is on a world's top twenty list, disregard that list straight up. Yeah. Okay. And that's what I was gonna ask. So, what list are you looking at? Are we looking at like ESPN? Here? Oh no, I'm looking at like the the one. The, no, this is like and, the one that Lolly Sports creates, and that's usually like I know okay. with the people who used to do that. I guess for previous ones, like Deficio would do it, and they would. They, it was like a poll between a lot of the main casters from right. all the regions, like. Jack did it. Deficio did it. Azale. Yeah, all those guys. So it's a pretty respected list in terms of that. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that... No, but you make another really good point there. If there's a list that's not with those guys, also ignore that, because ESPN sucks. Dude, their list was so bad. They Okay, the biggest problem is they had one... Like, this is all the flame they got. They had one DRX player on it. The only one they had was Chovy. And there was a Reddit post talking about how, like, there's a bunch of, like, Korean DRX fans. And now that's... Like, ESPN is just getting memed in Korea because of that. And also, they had no supports in the entirety ESPN of the top 20. everywhere every I'm just... Year, they're they're like, garbage. Straight up garbage. Yeah, I know. Oh, my God. I, I don't want to get in too much of a tangent because we've gone off a little bit. But, yeah. For the, just for those wondering, if you see an ESPN list... Okay, no, no, NA was, no NA player was on in 2019. Okay. So, th- thank you for fact-checking that for, for me and the listeners. Um... Okay, I want to talk a little bit about Parth because there was an interview with him. Uh, they, uh, what was it? Um, what do they call it again? Oh, a little press conference interview um, where he was asked, how would TSM do against Rogue? And I think this was before TSM won finals, but uh, I'm not positive on that either, but I think it was. Um, and he actually said that he thinks Rogue is better than TSM at the moment. To me, I thought that was very admirable because we've talked many times on this show about people that have just terrible expectations. Weldon. Back to Weldon, yeah. He's delusional. It's nice to see players and coaches that actually have a realistic idea of where they stand. And I I like to say this because I just think it's really important. We saw last split, uh, FlyQuest going into finals against Cloud9. Sandhorn was like, 
yeah, we're just hoping to make it a good series. It wasn't we're going to win. They knew that they weren't going to win. They knew that Cloud9 was so much better than them at the time. And so Santorin wasn't afraid to be honest, not to mislead his fans or anything like that, and just say, hey, look, you know, like this is where we're at. This is where we want to be. And I really admire Parth for saying the same sort of thing. He said, look, if we were to play right now, we wouldn't win. He, and then he went on and said something about like it would if there was 10 games like we would win five they would win five but then ultimately they would win the tiebreaker some shit like that but the point is he said look we don't need to worry about right now we need to worry about what happens if we play rogue a month and a half from now um that to me is the right attitude it's the look we're not going to win worlds i'm not going to pretend we're going to win worlds i'm going to focus on getting our team better and being as best as we can going into the finals and so i, I just really wanted to give him some credit for that I, I really admire the uh, realism, I guess. Not living in a little fairy tale land. Yeah. I, I, again, I'm in a similar situation with FlyQuest, and I think TSM, they need a good group draw. Uh, I definitely think they're, regardless of the group, I don't think they'll be the last place team. I think they're definitely in the range of 2-4 and four to 4-2. Four and two. But again, that is very dependent on their group. I think, again... As I mentioned, if they get into a situation where they're the NA team and they get a top EU, uh, Korea, and Chinese team, like I'm worried for TSM. Like I'm imagining like scenarios of groups where it's like TSM, like Fnatic, like JDG, and like Gen G or something like that, or like JDG, mm. or like if they have LGD as their playing team, then they get like uh, an EU team and DRX. Like, I don't see TSM making it out of that group. You know, I, there was a Reddit post. I remember looking at, they had a lot of group draw, like simulations. Like they just, sim they just simulated, say, okay, if these teams make it out, let's just sim it 10 times and see what the resulted groups are. And I remember looking at it for both FlyQuest, TL and TSM. And it was not looking good. That's all I'm going to yeah. say. It was not looking good. <laughs> okay. So, so let's get into this then. Which team, which NA team do you think has the best chance to, to perform well at Worlds? And on that topic, which one do you think has the worst chance to perform well? I think it's going to be weird because I said that I think TL, it's going to be difficult for TL to make it out of plans. Oh. But I think if TL were to make it through plans, I, I, I think it still. No, you're going with TL. No, no, no. I'm saying if. Like, I. <laughs> I, I like the most likely zero six team from NA. I think we have is FlyQuest. If really? I were to pick I one, I think it's I think it's TL. I and that, and then I, that's 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 me being a little biased, like I mentioned before, with like past performances with Impact, Core JJ, and Jensen. I think that team is a lot better suited to beat uh, or to go you know up against you know top Korean, EU, and Chinese teams as opposed to FlyQuest. Um, so. For that reason, I'm going FlyQuest. They're, they're more of an 06 team than TL is to me. Uh, and for the best, uh, I think TSM is. I think I don't have high okay. expectations for any of these three NA teams, but I have some expectations for TSM. I definitely want to see them carry out their same performances that they had at the end of playoffs. And if they're showing that form, I definitely think this is a team that can get out of groups. So I think best chance, I have TSM. And if TL is to make it out of plans, worst chance FlyQuest. So I, I shouldn't have even been surprised. Like, I know I sounded surprised and I was surprised, but I shouldn't have even been surprised when you said FlyQuest because if we're talking about which team would go 06, I'm looking at three teams that could go 06. And I hate to be the guy that's all negative, but I just said a second ago how I admire Parth 
being honest about where he thinks teams will finish, where he thinks his own team is at right now. And I need to be honest as well. And I don't think that either of these teams looks all that great right now. And I do think it is possible. And God forbid, holy fuck, please don't let all three NA teams go 06. That would be so shit. But that oh, can happen. Yeah. That can happen, man. I, I can see that happening. I think that the worst team, the, the team that has the, the, well, yeah, let me just say the worst team of these three right now is Team Liquid. Um, because I, I just, well, we we talked about them a bunch, and so I don't need to go much more into it. But I do think that um, if there's a team that's going to struggle the most, I think it's most likely to be them. If there's a team that's going to have the biggest chance of success, I'm a little bit torn between TSM and, and FlyQuest. I, I do actually kind of, so I think we've seen TSM be better as of late. But as far as consistency throughout the summer split, I think FlyQuest was a little bit more consistent. And I do fear that TSM won't have the ability to just play through top lane again, which is what they did against TL. It's what they did against FlyQuest. I don't think TSM will be able to replicate that on the world stage. And it's not that I think FlyQuest will be able to replicate their consistency on the world stage either, but I do think it's more likely that they'll be able to, we talked about their go button and be able to pull trigger and take risks and for Ignar to go ham. I think that that is more likely to happen as a win condition than the TSM send Bjergsen top with TF and just play through Broken Blade all day long. I don't think that that's going to be incredibly likely. I don't know if Broken Blade will even have that winning lane, first of all, or if TF will be able to roam without being punished or just not get killed in lane. Those kinds of things. Or if he's playing Zillion, if, if Bjergsen's on Zillion, I think that a, a world-class mid laner will punish that Zillion. Zillion should not be able to walk out of laning phase even in CS. And I don't think that's going to happen on the world stage, which it did happen in North America quite a bit. And so I think I give a little bit of an edge to FlyQuest, that highest chance of success. If there's one team that's going to make it out of groups, I think it's FlyQuest. Um, but with that said, I don't really think any of them are. Um, give me your opinion on player, though. Who do you think will be the best players and worst players from North America? Hmm. I don't really know. I think for best player, um, I'm for this, I'm sort of leaning more towards consistency than, I guess, pop-off potential. And for that reason, I'm going to go Bjergsen. He's okay. not really one to crack under the pressure. And in previous worlds, he's not one... He's not really been, you know, at you know fault really for uh, their 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 losses, I guess. You know, he's not a player that runs it down. He's not a player that you know makes a lot of mistakes, especially in the laning phase. He's pretty flawless. But although uh, I definitely agree with you that, you know, picking the Zillion or picking any champion in general, you're going to get punished a lot harder than you are in NA. Uh, in yeah. terms of worst player. Kind of leaning towards Turtle. I mean, I, I talked, I, we talked about it a little oh, bit. But poor Turtle. I, I'm gonna go with Turtle. <laughs> poor Turtle. Sad Turtle. Rip Turtle. Um, so I'm agreement with you with Bjergsen. Uh, I have two players that I think will perform well. I have Bjergsen and Santorin. I think that it is so important for those two players to be on their game for these teams to have success. And I think that if there is two guys that have shown consistency throughout the whole split, I think it's Santorin and Bjergsen. So those are my two guys that I think have uh, the best chance of looking good. Uh, and uh, no surprise, I already talked about how I'm really afraid for Impact. So Impact is my guy. Rip Impact. Um, I love Impact. I really do want to see him pop off. But again, I just think that out of the NA players, I think that he's one of the players that I am most fearful of getting taken advantage of in the top lane and so i'm not going to dive into all the stuff that we've already talked about but he's my guy i'm most worried about um one last question before we move on to our quick news and close out the episode 
what does a successful year look like for North America to you? Is it just getting out of groups? Does it vary by each team? Does it like one team? Yeah, one team. Honestly, a success would be one team making it out of groups. That'd be the success. That sucks, man. You're right though. Like that sucks. I, I'm I'm definitely in agreement. I want one team to make it out. And so, okay, let's pretend all three NA teams get out of work. Nope, okay, let's, nope, let's go into La La Land nope, for a little bit. We're not like smoking crack here. <laughs> if they do, though, like, do you think NA fans are happy? Because NA fans can be pretty. Like, I know you and I would be more than happy, dude. But if, there's a lot if, of NA if, fans that are really fucking picky, man. Do you think NA fans would be happy if, if there was if all their if teams just cut out any, of groups? If there are NA fans that are not happy with North America. More than one North America team making out of groups this year at Worlds, they are delusional. They need to join Weldon on the fucking crazy train. Yeah. Because like, <laughs> for the for the for the people for the for the people that exclusively you know just watch North America and are only really looking at North America, like you guys will be surprised when you see the level of play that these Korean, Chinese, and European teams whip out. Don't say more, Europe, more, no. More so China and Korea, but I think G2 and a little bit Fnatic, you know, these are very good teams, especially on the world stage. So this is just a little teaser for next We'll get into episode. it later. I don't think that Europe is that good. That's I'm going to leave it at that. I do think that they're better than North America, just so people don't think I'm fucking crazy. I just don't think that Europe is that good. We'll get into that a little bit more next week. I don't want to get too much into it. Uh, and we'll talk about uh, the different regions once we know what groups people are filled into now mind you next week we won't have all four teams because they'll still need to do the play-in stage and whatnot so we'll have play-ins and then we'll have three teams in each group with the fourth being uh to, to be, be determined. determined after after play-ins but before we we let you guys go we do always want to fill you guys in with some quick news as we like to call it because we don't really well we don't really have anything more clever to call it we're kind of lazy so quick news anyways um there was an interview with Chris Greeley. For those that don't know who the fuck Chris Greeley is, that's the commish of the LCS. Um, and it seems like uh, Friday Night League is going to be returning in 2021. Uh, so there's that. Um, th there's an interview. I guess we could put the description or the, the interview in the description. I'm not going to lie, guys. If you haven't watched it, it's not really that fun to watch, which is exactly the reason why we're giving you guys the quick news rundown from this 20 or so minute interview. Anyways. Friday Night League looks to be returning. They had a lot of success with it, or so he says. So that might be happening, or should be happening. Uh, another takeaway was that LCS had the most or the highest viewership since 2017. Um, must be because TSM is doing well again, I would have to assume. The last time TSM was really doing well was 2017. So that's just a guess. I, I don't know the whole reasons, but it seems like viewership is a little bit up uh, in comparison to the last couple of years. And one interesting little thing is that the media rights have expired. So what does that mean? Well, I guess that uh, the LCS had deals with YouTube and Twitch and whatever to have their stuff on those platforms. It seems like that is now expired. And there has been rumors about the LCS going exclusive with one of these uh, companies. What, what do you, platforms. 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 Um, so I, I would like to know, actually, if you guys want to drop a comment in, in the comment section for those listening to the VOD on YouTube, I would be curious to see where people want uh, to see the LCS, if they would prefer it on YouTube or Twitch. When I, I, I like to keep my eye on the viewership, and I, I think you do too as, as well, JNT. Um, 
the viewership is there's usually a lot on YouTube and on Twitch. There's a there's a pretty good parity there. And so I think that when they sign this deal, if they do go exclusive with one platform, I think you're going to have a lot of upset fans, wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Uh for me personally, um I have pretty much been exclusively watching on YouTube probably since honestly like 2016. I think that's really when they started doing like live streams on YouTube. And my reason for that is just simply because you can rewind and fast forward easily through the VODs. And it's so much better. It's a feature on YouTube that they have not implemented on Twitch. I'm still surprised that Twitch has never implemented that feature. Just being able to go back, you know, X number of seconds to just, you know, instead of having to clip something and then watching a clip, you can just simply rewind the stream for 10 seconds and be able to see it. And I know on the Twitch side, you know, the majority, just in terms of viewership, the viewership is usually split anywhere between from 50-50 Twitch YouTube to maybe like 70-30, uh, uh, 70% being the Twitch, 30% for being yeah. the, for being YouTube. But the viewership yeah. is always pretty, it's very, you know, it, it as I mentioned, it, it's pretty close in terms of the split viewership. And as you, as you did say, you know, there's going to be the Twitch people that, you know, everyone loves Twitch chat and that's one of the main draws with Twitch. But I love Twitch chat. But with, but with YouTube, you know, I think a lot of people really enjoy the the fast forward and rewind function. If, you know, you saw you started the game 10 minutes late, you can rewind the VOD to 10 minutes and, you know, kind of speed watch the first 10 minutes of the game before you catch up to the live version. You know, that's something that I find myself doing very often. <laughs> And, you know, as you mentioned, you know, you're going to have upset fans either way if they yeah. remove YouTube or if they remove Twitch. Me, myself, I'm going to be pretty pissed if it goes exclusive Twitch because then I will basically have to force, I have to, like, I have to watch the start of the game because I can't replay it until the game's fucking over. Oh, God, that actually does suck. I, I do prefer. The thing is, I wonder if the VODs will still go up on YouTube. Though. Probably. Like, I, I would assume that still is, but it just in terms of the live, in terms of the live stream, you know. I would prefer so I, YouTube. I think they would be. I would. I think they would be crazy to go with YouTube, honestly. And it's not that I think YouTube is a bad platform. I just think that that's where the most most people watch on Twitch. And I think that if you want to get the highest viewership, Twitch is where you need to go for that. But I do agree with you. So for, I, I agree. Those, I, I'm, I'm not disagreeing. I agree. I think you're definitely you're gonna get overall higher viewership because the community was built on Twitch. And I assume the LCS would want to stay true to its roots. But if you're gonna go Twitch, tell Twitch to implement rewind feature, please. Yeah, for the love of God, people have been asking for it for so long. I'm starting to give up on whether that's going to happen. I, I'm that guy. I'm that guy that has both open, okay? I'll, I'll admit it. I'm the guy. I'm watching live on Twitch because I love my Twitch chat. Twitch chat can be fucking hilarious. Also, it can kind of suck. Sometimes there's some dumbasses in Twitch chat too. But uh, there's a lot of funny stuff that comes from Twitch chat. But then I also like to rewind, like you said. So I will. I'm the guy that have both open. Uh, yeah, you can make fun of me for that. I don't care. I think it's great having both. And if they just give the freaking feature onto Twitch, we can enjoy both. But we don't live in that world. Anyways, so much for quick news. <laughs> uh, the other thing happening is there was other coach changes. Uh, T1 and Coach Kim, I, I, I don't know if he resigned. I think he resigned. He, no, he resigned. Yes. Yes. Okay. So Because I, coach... I believe they had a two-year deal. When he signed at the there start of the season, there is now a 10. coach spot open for T1. T1 and Reaper, as T1 you, Reaper, T1 as, Reaper. As you alluded to earlier, uh, Reaper could go to T1. T1 now Reaper. that's 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 speculation. We don't really know anything about that, but you heard it here I first. I think that would be fun. I think that would be fun to see to see Reaper go to to T1. Um, I do think that he was with with T1 before, right? When back when they were SKT like a while ago, didn't? Isn't that where Reaper came from? I think he from? played on T SKT back in the day. Uh, maybe he did. I don't know. I, I'm 
almost positive that he was a part of SKT, either as a coach or a player or as something. I, I can't really pretend to remember, though, because I don't remember a lot of things. Um, and then what else? What else? What else? What else? Oh, group draw tomorrow. There is so for that um, group draw tomorrow is at 8 a.m. EST. That'll be 5 a.m. PST. So, yeah, wake up early, set them alarms, pretty garbage times to wake up for. But obviously, like I'm uh, you have to assume they're doing the draw in China. Um, And we also know that there's way more Chinese viewers than North American viewers. And so, like, why would you, you know, like, obviously, you're going to do it at a time that makes more sense for Chinese viewers. Mm hmm. Yeah. Uh, what else we got, JNT? Anything else? A uh, lot of world's players uh, tweeting and streaming Chinese solo queue. Everyone seems to True. like it. There's been a bit of a, like, there was a clip at front page Reddit yesterday talking about how Yankos had to, like, randomly close the stream because he was getting, like, emails and texts from, like, higher-ups. And apparently a big common problem that a lot of the teams are having right now is they're unable to stream uh, themselves playing solo queue in China due to the hotels that they're staying at because they don't want to fuck the whole they don't want to fuck the whole hotel's internet by having like five players. In the bubble. Yeah, they, I don't know if they're all. I think they're at different hotels. I don't know if they're all at the same hotel, but I think. Oh, that's not a very good bubble. <laughs> well, I mean, I some of them. I'm could, just kidding, dude. Yeah, I don't know, but I think I know. I think they're at different hotels, but like they don't want to fuck the entirety of like the hotel's internet by like running. Yeah league plus streams for like six seven people potentially and i think that's the reason for like there's been trouble with team streaming that's at least from what i heard Not i just kind of but... am kind of curious about internet issues like if if are they going to be playing in the hotel like when it comes time to actually play the game like okay if there's already some potential issues because let, let's be honest here we're just kind of speculating off of hearsay but if, if there's already some internet issues like Monka S, man, for a world's like, okay, please, for the love of God, let's not let any mistakes happen on such an important game. Like, wouldn't that be an absolute disaster if you have to? Well, I'm sure they'll be able to chrono break somehow, but even Knight's, having the chrono break, Knight's internet goes out in game five. Oh my god, man. Yeah, they <laughs> will they pull a wild turtle. Knight yeah. has to go to another apartment to play. Like, that would be an absolute disaster. Um, and uh, I just see Vapire in the live chat saying China's internet infrastructure is way better than NA's. Fucking true. So thank God for that. Yeah, that that is a very good point. And so let's just hope that there's no issues. And I think that would be an absolute disaster is if there is some technical issue that really affects the games at Worlds. Like, this is not the time to fuck around. And so I'm sure they'll find a way to make it work. And I hope to God they do. Um, as long as those people that are running the LCS are not in charge, <laughs> then we're good to go. No NA production, please. Uh, rip NA. Um, but that's going to be it for us. This has been episode 15 of the Clown Fiesta podcast. Uh, thank you for those that have been listening to us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on YouTube. And thank you, of course, to our live viewers. Thank you for being uh, interactive in the live chat. Always much appreciated. Um, be sure to follow us on Twitter. For those listening, I will do it again. It's at Tuminator, at T-O-O-M-I-N-A-T-O-R underscore, and at BlueJ underscore G-G, B-L-U-E-J-A-Y underscore G-G, of course. And so we're going to continue to be more active. We haven't been as active, obviously, this last week because there's been no LCS, but we will be more active once Worlds gets gets going. Um, anything else you want to shout out, JNT, before we let go? Nope.
Uh, oh, please sub. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening on YouTube, hit that sub button. And uh, yeah, and hit the like button as well. Uh, thanks again. And uh, yeah, we can close her out. We'll see you guys next week for the live show, 9 p.m. EST on Twitch. Just search Clem Fiesta Podcast. Thanks, guys.